You're listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast with Andrew Schumacher. Beginning of Wisdom seeks to engage in theology and apologetics in the sight of God. You can learn more at beginningwisdom.org. Schumacher and excited about a show I've got for you tonight. We are jumping back into our series on the law and the Christian uh, approach to the law and really the biblical approach to the law. What it, what exactly um, is it that, that as Christians, you know, how do we relate to God's law, to what's found in the Torah all of that. Um, you will find a lot of videos titled much like this that, um, you know, from folks on, on various sides of this issue. Uh, what I have found is that, you know, a lot of views on this subject are really pre- ultimately pretty simplistic. They, they, they start with one sort of guiding principle that they you know, believe is biblical. And then everything is just based on that. And, and the, the going to scripture about it is kind of, you know, secondary. Um, you know, so I, I did talk in the first, uh, part of this series, which was a few weeks back. Um, we kind of just kind of laid some preliminary, some groundwork. And, um, you know, I talked about four different approaches to the law, Um, really in a way I talked about five because I, I talked about just people who, you know, are antinomian in a sense. They just say, you know, if you've, if you've prayed a prayer once in your life, you're, you're good. It doesn't matter if you ever care about obeying God. If you ever, you know, even if you reject Christ, it doesn't matter. You're, you're good. Once you've done that, your card is stamped and, and everything's good. And so, um, I, I rejected that view, but I also talked about a few other different views. Obviously, the one you know I talk about a lot on this on this show, uh, the the Torah observance view, Hebrew roots view, um, that we should be keeping the law pretty much as it was kept by Israel, um, and the uh, you know the, then an, there's another view out there that says you know basically. If you are descended from, you know, Israel, then you have you are obligated to keep the law, as it, as it says in the Old Testament. If you're not, if you're a Gentile, then you have a separate law. So God has like two different laws for different people, um, depending on you know what your ancestry is. Um, so those are s- some views that I I, I don't <laughs> agree with. Um, I don't agree that we can just um, you know, reject it outright. I don't believe we can, uh, we should do it exactly the same as Israel did it. I think that when Jesus came, that did introduce a radical change in the way um, that we approach God. And as such, the, the law as given to Moses is, is not, um, it, we don't approach it the same way as we did. Um, and I also, I, I do reject that, that there's a different law for different people. Um, I don't see that either. So what I'm going to be doing in this series is is not so much talking about those views that I, I don't agree with as much as talking about uh, really what what does the Bible say specifically, you know, front to back uh, about this subject. Um, and, you know, I so that's some sort of some groundwork there if you want to get more detail on that. By all means, uh, go check out the the first uh, first part of this series. But then um, I want to say one more thing before I dive into the text today. We're going to be looking at Genesis. Um, before we dive into that, I want to say one more thing about labels, terminology. Um, you know, it, this is what I'm doing here. This is something very serious, and 
I'm not just trying to score debate points or make someone look foolish or, or anything like that. You know, I have read the whole Bible. I've read the whole Torah. Um, you're not going to show me something new if you ask me questions like, you know, is the author of the law God or Moses? Or, you know, whose feasts are they really? You know, like I, I know what it says. Um, and, and none of that had, you know, that's all sort of baked in, you know, that's all integrated into a full orbed biblical understanding of the law. Um, I think that the antinomian, um, takes the idea of salvation by grace through faith alone too far and says, you know, I mean, that's true. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, not of works. Um, that's all very true. But then they take that idea and just extrapolate out to where, you know, true faith doesn't have to, you know, have any true works. It, you know, whereas James says that a faith without works is a dead faith. So that that can't save you. And it's not that your works save you. It's that the faith that you have, because it's not the kind that produces good works, isn't the right kind of faith. Um, but they don't, they don't like to, to look at that. And then, you know, the Hebrew roots person says, well, you know, God's law is God's law. And he says to obey it in the old Testament, that's not changing. So anything you might say that, that could alter my thinking on that is just out the window. I'm, uh, you, you know, you're just trying to get people to not obey God or, okay. You know, that again, that's just taking one idea and making that idea rule over the scriptures. And that's, that's wrong. Um, and, and so these other views, they, they, they say, they try to look for a principle and say, well, here's the principle. We can just apply this to, to everything. No, I mean, there are principles in scripture, but it's not that you can just, you know, paint it over the entire Bible and, um, and that, you know, God can't say other things that would, um, that might change how you, you look at those principles. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't like the phrase law of Moses, I'm sorry, that's a biblical phrase. It's, it's in there many, many times. Um, when I talk about that, I'm referring to the commandments God gave to Moses. That's, you know, stuff that's found pretty much in Exodus through the end of the Torah. Um, you know, I, I also used a phrase last time, uh, universal law. And, and that's, you know, you can pretty much understand that as moral law. You know, it's law that's based, that, that's always been true and always will be true for us. And, and when I say been true, always will be true, it's, it applies to us the same way as it always has. Um, it applies that way now, it always will, it always has. It's, it's universal in that, in that sense. Um, and, you know, later in this series, we, we are going to show how Scripture distinguishes between different types of law it, it's real it's really biblical um if you think that it's it's just you know labels that have been added on afterwards you're, you're wrong i mean the labels you know can be whatever they they are but the the fact is there are different types of law um and we're going to go over that we're going to show how the scriptures make those distinctions between different types of law um so so yeah we're going to go over all that stuff so I'm, you know, that's just a little preliminary. I want to make, make clear, you know, that, um, you're, if, if you want to deal with, if you disagree with, with what I'm presenting in this series, um, you're going to have to do better than just, you know, thinking that you're asking some really, really penetrating question that every other person with your theological perspective has asked dozens and dozens of times, um, that shows you you really didn't listen. Um, so yeah, we want to we want to get into the specifics, and, and that's what I'm going to do. That's that's what this series is all about. Um, as I said last time, we talked about it. A lot of a lot of folks who I agree with on generally speaking on their their take on the law, they you know they they come to this subject and and kind of do a broad review of it in a pretty brief way and then move on to other things. And as such, there's, I see a gap in, in understanding. 
um, in, in teaching in this area. So what I'm going to be doing is not only defining and, and talking about what is the, you know, the true biblical understanding of the law, but how does that apply to specific laws and what texts of scripture show us how it applies to a specific laws? Um, I believe you can find those patterns all the way back in the Torah itself. The Torah itself sets itself up to be to ultimately be interpreted the way that the New Testament interprets it and the way that I would interpret it. So um, we're, we're going to get into specifics. So I'm, I'm really excited to do that. So um, let me go ahead and pull up my little presentation here. I'm going to be putting some things on the screen, not just uh, just having you listen. So um, most everything that's on the screen, I'll be saying as well. So if you're listening to this, just audio podcast, that kind of thing, um, you're not uh, there's not going to be anything you're, you're really missing. I'm going to go over all of it. But um, it's just uh, if if you need something visual to kind of give you an idea, uh, that's what we're going to talk about here. So the first first thing, this is, like I said, this is part two, and this time we're going to go over just sort of an overview of Genesis and how it approaches law, commands, sin, that kind of thing. So once again, the summary of what I believe, you know, if you can kind of put it in a nutshell about the law, it's that all people everywhere are obligated to obey what God commands them to do. Some of God's commands have always been universal and so always will be. Some of God's commands were for a time or a specific audience. These laws are subject to change according to God's plan. Uh, scripture teaches which are which and how to tell the difference and in what way some laws have changed at various times, but most notably in Christ. So uh, a couple things to think about as we're looking at Genesis. Um, it is the first book of Scripture, so it establishes context. Um, readers would start here to establish theology. And that's, this is important because there's some things we can know a little bit about the cultural context. That's what the second point is going to be about. But there's, there are no other books of scripture that Genesis is going to be appealing to. Um, it's, it's the starting place. So, um, so that's something to think about. Another thing to consider is that while the stories of Genesis may have been known or passed down somewhat within the community. Um, it's important to realize the initial audience of Genesis, this is a book of Moses, so it would be Moses's generation in the wilderness, that um, the Exodus generation is really the first generation that, that gets the scriptures as, as we understand them or begins to get the scriptures as we understand them. And so, um, so Genesis would have been read by by these folks. So they would have had, they would have either they or their parents would have experienced Sinai and, and leaving Egypt and all that. So they would have had some, some pretty intimate under, you know, experience with what God is doing in the community. And then, then they'd have this, this book of Genesis and begin to read it. And there's different thoughts by different scholars about how soon various parts were written, but but I'm not going to get into all that. My my point is simply that they would have they would have had some background in teaching as far as right and wrong from Moses from the law, um, in addition to what they're reading here. But but they would also understand they are reading something that came you know about people who came before them um, who didn't go through what they went through. So they would understand this is this is establishing the context for understanding God and how he relates to people. Um, so if they, those questions that they might have, or you might have, you know, those all begin to, to be answered in Genesis. All right. So, um, uh, so again, last time I mentioned, we're going to go through lots of specifics. So this is the first specific we're going to talk about. They're universal laws before Moses before Mount Sinai, before the book of Exodus begins to incorporate what we now know of as the law of Moses, there were laws, um, there were commandments. So here, here's some examples of commands God gave. 
you know, Genesis 1:28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish and of the sea and the birds of heaven over every animal that moves upon the earth. The next verse, and God said, look, I am giving you every plant that bears seed, which is on the surface of the whole earth and every kind of tree that bears fruit. They shall be yours as food. And then, um, in uh, Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may freely eat, um, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. So, this is these are some specific commands and obviously this is only three this isn't everything but this is some of the earliest stuff and we we're all pretty familiar with um that one from genesis 2 about the 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 uh the tree and the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil all that um sometimes we forget about the ones that came even earlier where god commands them to be fruitful and multiply and where god establishes what they can eat you know in this case you know, just vegetarian diet, you know, the, the, the green plants, the plants that bear seed, the, the, the fruit trees, that kind of thing. Um, but we also, in addition to these specific commands, we also have sin, uh, examples of sins. Um, in Genesis 3, 6, obviously the, the most well-known sin of Genesis, uh, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, then she took from its fruit and she ate and she gave it also to her husband with her and he ate. Um, so obviously we, we understand the fall was a sin, but there are other sins mentioned in Genesis. Genesis 4, 6 through 8 says, Yahweh said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will I not accept you? But if... If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Then Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then G Genesis 6, 5, And Yahweh saw that the evil of humankind was great upon the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was always only evil. Um... So we have these examples of sins, um, but you'll notice that other than the in this these these uh, three examples here that I've given, um, only one of them are, is the command. Is there is an explicitly recorded command and a sin that goes along with it? Um, in these other cases, we don't have you know prior to the sin being recorded and, and it clearly being described as sin we don't have a, an example of god saying you shall not do this or or that um and in fact this is this is true as we go throughout genesis um as we go as we move on through we see things you know we talked about murder but the violence and murders in in noah's day also adultery uh with pharaoh uh in genesis 12 17 through 20 this you know where where and also Abimelech uh, in Genesis 23 through 7. These are when Abraham says that, oh, this is my sister. And so they, they take her to be their wife. But, but then it's adultery, it's sin. And so, so things, you know, there's judgment there and, and, and it's, it is clearly sin. Uh, obviously, Abram's lying is, is, is a sin. Uh, the homosexuality and rape we find in Sodom in Genesis 19. Uh, drunkenness uh, in, in the case of Lot after uh, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have incest with Lot's daughters in, in Genesis 19. We have the theft, uh, you know, that happens, you know, Jacob, you know, steals the, you know, from Esau, the, the, um, the birthright or, or tricks him and, or steals the blessing from, from their father later on. Just examples of that. Um, unequal measures are, are we're given an example of that with their uncle Laban when he changes the terms with with Jacob um, and and continues to try to get you know more work out of him basically uh, we have rape an example of that with Dinah in Genesis 34 uh, we have the understanding we're to worship God alone uh, with the example of Jacob in Genesis 35 2 uh, kidnapping 
Joseph's brothers kidnap Joseph and and are and sell him into slavery in Genesis 37. Uh, again, we have adultery. Joseph caught when Potiphar's wife attempts to seduce Joseph. He says, I cannot do this thing and sin against God in Genesis 39. Uh, and of course, bearing false witness, uh, Potiphar's wife lies about Joseph and he goes to uh, to prison and 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 all of these things are are easily understood to be sin uh, in the book of Genesis and and none of them is you know do we have a specific command recorded where God said you shall not do this you shall not do that um, but somehow these folks they they know it's sin and and we can see as we read that it's sin so the question and this is the big question um, this is what we're going to really be occupying some of our time with, especially as we, we look at commands and things like that. How did these people know that these things were sins before God gave the law to Moses? Um, how did the people in Gen... And it, in some cases, it's very clear that they know it's wrong. Um, it's clear that Joseph's brothers knew, knew that it was wrong to kill him when they were first plotting to do that. And when they sold him into slavery, they knew that that was wrong. It, it hurt their father. They, there's, there, this stuff is clearly wrong and they clearly know it. The question is, how did they know it? Now, um, before you answer that question, I want you to ask yourself very seriously, how do you know that your answer is the right one? And I'm going to challenge you to, to, to answer this. Where can your answer be found in Scripture? Your answer to the question, how did the people of Genesis know that these various things were sins that there's no explicit command about? Now, my understanding, there, there's a, a few different possible answers. They kind of fall into two basic categories, but... But here's just some some possible ones you, you might have. Uh, these are ones that I've I've heard given by by people. Um, you know, one possibility is maybe God told them something about these specific sins that the text just doesn't go into. So God, you know, God gave them, you know, about the ones that we have in Genesis. At least God said you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Um, maybe it's just not recorded for us, um, and that's certainly a possibility. Um, maybe God gave the whole law to Adam just as he gave it to Moses, but that isn't recorded. And, and then that's passed down or that's given to maybe at various times to Adam and to Abraham. And, and I've heard that position uh, stated. Um, maybe God put a law into the hearts of men concerning what sin is. So something about the way we're created, maybe God basically made us to know intrinsically about what sin is and, and, and that these types of things really are sin. Or maybe God put every command given to Moses into the hearts of men. Maybe, maybe he did that. You know, everything you find in, you know, Exodus to Deuteronomy is, is all, you know, God created us all with a, an innate knowledge of, of that. So the, the question is, you know, as you look at those, those possibilities and maybe there are others, but do you have, think about it. Do you have a favorite answer and what text of scripture tells us that we should agree with your answer and not one of the others? See, we what all those answers kind of have in common is they all acknowledge that they're in some way the people of Genesis understood what sin is. Um, they all understood right and wrong. Um, how The question is, how did they know that? And I think that... Ultimately, it comes down to, you know, did God, you know, is it something about how we're created that God put this in us innately, that we understand this right and wrong? Or is it that God verbally gave, gave them, you know, some sort of, of command? Those are sort of the, I see as, as the two bigger categories. Then the, another question could be asked, how much did he give? Um, is it, is it just you know, based basically these examples or, or things like this, or is it literally everything we find later in the law of Moses, you know, down to, to every cleanliness law, every, you know, um, dietary thing, everything, literally, you know, every, every sacrificial regulation, is it all given or, or just, just part of it? Um, and how, and how is it given? 
So think on that. We're, we're going to come back to it. Um, the next thing is, is to look at, you know, at commands. So, so what we're doing right now, and, and I want to, I want to bring this out because, because this is really important. You know, I've, I've talked on the, on the show. It's been a while since I mentioned it maybe, but about how much I love biblical theology. What we're doing right now is biblical theology. And, and that's not to say that, you know, other stuff isn't biblical, but we're going, we're looking at the text itself and, and saying, what does the text give us? Not what is my theology? What is some overarching principle that I'm going to slap on top of the text and make it say something that fits what I want it to say? The question is, what does the text say? And, and, and I'm going to, and we're going to try to draw that out. So, so far we've seen lots of examples of sin, um, a few commands, but let's look at some more at those commands, uh, or at some other commands that are in Genesis. So there are a few, we've, we've looked at some of these, be fruitful and multiply given to Adam and Eve in Genesis, uh, chapter one, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis two, uh, the command given to Noah to build an ark in Genesis six, uh, that's a command, um, leave the land of Ur to go to the land, to the promised land, um, Canaan, that's Genesis 12 given to Abram, um, leave Sodom, get out of Sodom, the command given to Lot in Genesis 19. Uh, then Genesis 21, where Abram is told to go ahead and send Hagar away. Uh, it's in Genesis uh, 21, 9 through 12. It's actually initially uh, um, Sarah that says, send her away. But then God says, go ahead and, and send her away. I've, I will make you know her son a great nation because he's you know your son. So I will make him a great nation. So there, there's a command there. Um, to go ahead and, and send him away. And there's a command to sacrifice Isaac. God says in Genesis 22, 2, to take Isaac up on the, the mountain and, and sacrifice him. So these are some examples of explicit commands in the book of Genesis. Now, um, we'll, come, we'll come back to some, some details. I want to I wanna cover a couple of things as we're looking at commands and, and sins. Um, but these are, are some examples. If I, I'm sure this isn't a totally exhaustive list, um, but but this is uh, some that you know spring to mind pretty quickly. There are also some examples in Genesis. Now there are other examples outside of Genesis, but um, there are. Well, first thing I want to I want to point out about these uh, before we move on is that some of these commands as you can tell, are, are universal. Really, I, I only see one that's truly universal, and that is be fruitful and multiply. Now, I mean, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. I think there are some others that we could say are, are were universal. But, um, but then a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are specific to specific people at specific times. We're not all commanded to go sacrifice Isaac. You know what I mean? Um, or, or even some sort of version of that, you know, we're not all told to go, you know, put our son in a, on an altar. Um, these are specific commands to specific people. And, and really most of the commands, most of the specific commands given in the book of Genesis have that feature. They're, they're to specific people at specific times. Um, so that's something to think about. But I mean, again, it's not universal. There, there's examples of, of both. Um, but there, but the thing to notice here is there is very little overlap between examples of sins and examples of explicit commands. Um, there aren't very many that are both in Genesis. Most of the time, it's one or the other. You know, either you have a specific command or you have a specific sin, and the way it's described is one or the other um, most of the time. So... Um, this is really, you know, where our preliminary considerations come into play. You know, the original reader was the Exodus generation. They would be familiar with the law, you know, given to them through Moses. But now Genesis is telling them about what it was like before that. And what we're drawing out of the text is that God definitely, you know, expected people to obey him, expected, you know, people to understand right from wrong. 
Um, but the, the specific, you know, sort of thou shouts that, that people got most of the time were very specific to specific people. So they, they, these sort of two categories are, are, are in there, um, from the very beginning. Now, um, the next thing I want to point out is, is that there are also commands that changed that specifically did change. So for example, before the fall, we, we mentioned this before God gave only the plants to eat in Genesis one God said, look, I'm giving you to you every plant that bears seed, which is on the face of the whole earth and every kind of tree that bears fruit, they shall be yours as food. After the flood, God gave every animal um, this is in Genesis 9, 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be for you as food. As I gave the green plants to you, I have now given you everything. So before it was just plants, before the fall, um, and after the flood, we have this, this, you know, now you can eat, you know, anything that, that moves. Just, you know, it's, it's all food um, now. And just as it was the plant, and this is the second text here in Genesis nine helps us see that um, he's now giving everything. So it you can't say, oh well, it was um, the you know the before it was the plants, but it was also the you know the they could eat animals too. No, it now he's giving them animals after the flood just as he had before given the plants so there's there's definitely a, a change here uh, another example is is of course isaac um god commanded abraham to sacrifice isaac in genesis 22 2 and it says and he said take your son your only child isaac whom you love go to the land of moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains where i will tell you and then Ten verses later, God commands Abraham to stop because, of course, he didn't, he wasn't really intending for him to actually sacrifice Isaac, but this was, you know, a, uh, a, a test. And it says, and he said, do not stretch out your hand against the boy. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you are one who fears, uh, fears God, since you have not withheld your son, your only child from me. And, and, and it isn't, again i'm i'm looking at this on the surface you know just look at the text the text says sacrifice your son offer him there as a burnt offering the second text says now don't do it um obviously god intended the whole time for for abraham not to do it um so there's no question about god changing here god didn't change his mind about what he wanted abraham to do he, he didn't give the command in the first place intending for Abraham to, care, to complete the act. He, he gave the command in the first place in order for Abraham to show his obedience, but before he could carry out the act. And, and Abraham even says, and I didn't quote the verse, but he, he believes he, you know, even if he did carry out the act, God can bring his son back from the dead. He, he just, he trusts God completely. And that's what this, what it's, what it's all about. But as far as the commands, the, this is a change for sure. As far as the command itself. Um, so a command can be given for the intent of, of achieving a purpose other than simply that it should be carried out uh, ultimately. So we th see that as an example. So, um, so some observations as far as commandments and sin. You know, commands can come in many types. They can be universal or they can be specific to individuals or small groups lasting throughout human history or only intended for a given circumstance. Um, we don't all have to build arcs. Uh, explicit commands rarely overlap with explicitly described sins. We, we, we see that, you know, as far as the general trend. And it seems the trend is that explicit commands are more often specific to an individual and a situation, while explicitly described sins are more often universal, always considered sins. Now, I want to, and, and, and the example, commands may change, but described sins typically do not. Now, uh, I want to point one thing out here. Again, these are general things we're seeing. Would it be a sin? If God said, 
in a, in a specific, you know, if God told Noah, okay, build the ark and Noah said, no, would that be a sin? Of course it would be a sin because disobeying a command is, is certainly a sin. Um, but what this, what we're seeing in the text is that there's, there's sort of these, these different ways that, that these things are being communicated. And, uh, and there, there does seem to be a different character to generally to what God commands. And even, even the most, again, the most well-known command broken in Genesis, don't eat the fruit and they eat the fruit. Well, it generally speaking is eating fruit a sin. <laughs> no, um, they could eat any fruit, just not that one fruit is, is it still, I mean, we don't, obviously this was a special tree in the garden. It's not around anymore, but do we know that that it always would have been a sin that God just made this tree and the only purpose it had was to never for, for people never to eat its fruit. Um, that's a lot of speculation. We, we don't know for sure any of that stuff, but the, the point is that there's an argument could be made that even the best known example of this disobedience of a specific command was a specific time bound command to a specific you know, group of people, Adam and Eve. Um, and that it was never, it was never in the cards, so to speak for, you know, never, never, um, God's intent for us to, to be the ones to, to, you know, to, to keep obeying that command, like that, you know, God didn't put the tree there. I don't believe God put the tree there for it to always be there and for us to always avoid it. Um, it was there for that specific purpose, but that's, again, that's, that's what I kind of think, but that's, that's an opinion. You know, we don't really know. We don't know for sure again, that it was like something like, you know, those other sins like adultery or theft or murder that always were sins and, and always will be. So the question is, you know, again, how would, the original reader of Genesis understand these things. And remember, we cannot come up with something and just insist that's the answer. Our choice of answer must come from Scripture. So, um, again, remember those possible answers we talked about. Maybe God told them something, you know, audibly about them. It's just not recorded. Or maybe God told them the whole law, the whole law of Moses. Um, and that's just not recorded, or maybe it's in their hearts, you know, maybe either, you know, the, these kinds of sins were in their hearts, or maybe the whole law of Moses is in their hearts. Um, possible answers, but again, what does the scripture say? Um, remember the original audience was this, this Exodus generation, um, and they're familiar with the law of Moses it's given to them or their parents, but they, they would have likely asked these same questions. Well, before Moses, before God spoke to Moses and gave us this law, how did they know what sin was? And, um, so they would have had, they would have, you know, asked the same question. Um, and, and we don't really have, you know, any, any specific, uh, answers. So, so there's, there's some key facts I want to point out here from what we've, we've gotten from the text and, and then kind of give you what, what I think is happening here. And, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and get to our, our question and answer. So, so I want to pause for a moment and mention that as always, uh, I will do, you know, Q and a at the end of the show. So if you're in the chat right now in the live chat, go ahead and, you know, put any questions you have in there, big capitalized question, um, word question, so that I know it's a question, and we will go over those uh, at the end of the show. So what are some key facts, some, some things that we know for sure from the text? Really, there's only, um, there's really only two ways that, that people could know right and wrong. Either God commanded something, gave it to them audibly or written down or something like that, or somehow he created them with innate with an innate understanding or knowledge um genesis doesn't give us any evidence of any previous sinai-like giving of the law to anybody there's no example of that uh, anywhere to be found 
um, whether it's an individual or group, there, there's not a, a scene where God, you know, says, here's all, all of my laws, all my commands. Um, most of the sins recorded in Genesis don't have any explicit command connected to them, um, given prior to that sin or, or even after that sin, frankly, um, that we just, we know it's a sin. Even it's funny, even when talking to Cain, God just says sin is crouching at the door. He doesn't say, you know, what it is or, or anything specific, but, um, but then Cain goes, goes ahead and, and sins. Um, and then we, when we look at most of the explicit commands, they are specific to certain people at certain times. And we know that some commands were changed, um, whether, you know, again, whether given to mankind in general or to a specific person. So that those dietary commands were basically mankind in general, uh, despite how many people there, there might have been at the time, um, going from vegetarian to, to eating animals as well. Uh, those, that was a general thing for, for all people. Whereas, uh, obviously, the, the command to sacrifice Isaac was just to Abraham and, and then obviously to not go through with it, the, the change to not go through with it. Um, so these are some facts. These are what we know from the text. Now, here's, here's what I would conclude from what we see in the text. I would say it seems that for the most part, people didn't need a specific recorded commandment from God to know basic right and wrong. It wasn't necessary. So things such as murder, theft, adultery, um, those things weren't necessary. You know, God didn't have to give a verbal command not to do those things for the people to understand they were wrong. Um, but then we know that God would, according to his plan, issue more specific commands at various times that were not intended to be taken as moral standards for everyone. So most of the, com again, most of the commands that we see are are of that nature, are of the nature of, you know, this is my plan for you at this time is, is kind of what, what God is, is, is issuing. Um, so there is some inspired commentary on this. So my view is that, that this is innate, um, that, that we are all born with this. And, and the text that I see this from is, is in, in Romans, uh, chapter two, um, Paul gives us some, some commentary on people without the law, which is how the people of Genesis, that, that describes them. Um, it says, For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be declared righteous. For whenever the Gentiles, who do not have the law, do by nature the things of the law, these, although they do not have the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written on their hearts, their conscience, bearing witness, and their thoughts, one after another, accusing or even defending them, on the day when God judges the secret things of people according to my gospel through Christ Jesus. Paul is clear here that those who do not have the law have a conscience, and that they it says they will still perish. They're still guilty because God judges them according to the law unto themselves. That is their conscience. And, and according, he judges the secret things, the things, you know, in our hearts. So, you know, I think that as we, we you know, that's a confirmation. I think we can get that. We don't need Paul's confirmation to see that as, as the more likely example. Because, again, we don't have any examples of God telling them all these things are sins in Genesis. So it's, it's pure speculation to, to um, insist that he did. Um, whereas we do have just, they just, they, they're presented as already knowing these things are wrong. And, and we even see it. I think if you, if you look pretty closely, even in the story of Adam and Eve, when God asks them questions about what happened, you know, and they start casting blame somewhere else, they, they understand they did something wrong and they're, they're doing more wrong to, to try to cover it up. Um, and you know, they hide and, and those things like, like this sense of right and wrong is, you know, God didn't tell them specifically, you know, that they had to be afraid of him or anything like that, but that that's how, that's what they just sort of naturally did after they sinned. So I think that this is something that's part of, 
our nature as as we're created in the image of God to to have this sense of right and wrong. Um, now there are some objections, and, and I I can't go over you know every possible objection, but I do want to point this one out because this is often cited. This is Genesis twenty six five when it talks about Abraham keeping the law, and it says. Uh, because Abraham listened to my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Um, notice it's laws, plural. It's not, you know, the Torah. It's my Torahs, <laughs> my, my instructions, my, the things that, that I said. Um, and certainly he, he did these things. You know, he, he obeyed God. He obeyed the things he was commanded. He, he did all that. Um, but notice this doesn't say how he knew them. It doesn't say the full breadth of what he knew. Um, no text anywhere links specifically links the law of Moses back to this verse or back to any other verse in Genesis. Um, when the law of Moses happens, you know, when God gives the law through Moses um, in the book of Exodus, uh, it's it's presented as as you know. Now I'm revealing to you, you know my full law, like all of it, you know, here, here's, here's how, you know, how I want you to live. And there's no, there's no sense. There's no text that says, just as I said to Abraham, or just as I said to Adam or anybody else, um, here's, here's what I'm now giving you again, or something along those lines. It's uh, a lot of people try to characterize it that way, but that is again, pure speculation. Um, where does the text tell you that's how they knew um, is the question I would ask. Uh, again, I, there's, there's not really anything in Genesis that says with absolute certainty, you know, here's how they knew, but it's presented, they're presented as knowing. And then we have divinely inspired commentary later on that says, oh, well, it's, you know, it's their conscience. And, and it makes perfect sense. It's exact, that fits what Paul says fits exactly what we see in the book of Genesis. So um, that just seems, you know, looks like confirmation that that's really what's going on there. So um, other objections, you know, they, they couldn't know what's right if God didn't tell them. Um, God's law is eternal, so it would have applied to the people in Genesis. Or, you know, sin is transgression of the law, so it must have been given for there to be sin. And and again, all these are, none of these is, is based on any scripture that we saw in Genesis that tells us, uh, again, yes, sin is, is disobey, disobedience, it's transgression of the law in a sense, but what, what does the law look like or what does it consist of? Um, and in the book of Genesis, you know, we're given lots of examples of sin without any law giving going on related to those specific sins. Um, I agree that there's, there's obviously some law in effect. There's some law of right and wrong in effect, but how is it in effect and how do the people know? Again, none of this, none of these arguments, really these are, these objections are, you know, really speculation. They're conclusions masquerading as points of evidence. They're not they're not actually evidence. They're they're a, attempts at, at sneaking in the conclusion, so to speak. So, um, when we're when we're looking at it, this this is our foundation. This is you know. So we're starting here in Genesis. Um, when we when we go through the rest of of the text, and when the original readers would have gone through the rest of the text, they would. This would be their foundation. You know, uh, I've heard some say, you know, you got to understand the front of the book. And, and I would agree. The front of the book is Genesis. And the front of the book says, God, that people are expected to understand right and wrong without us necessarily seeing God give the command about it. When God does give a command, it's often very specific. And some of God's commands do change, but obviously we never have the authority to, to make any kind of change to, to what God says. It's, you know, God who, who does that. But, you know, this is how the Israelites would be introduced to God and his commands. This is how they're introduced to it. 
Um, this is the context for understanding the law that comes later in Genesis, um, or sorry, in Exodus. So again, when we understand the front, it helps us understand what comes later. So with that, I am going to go ahead and move into any questions that you guys might have. Um, let me go ahead and look those up real fast and we will see, uh, see what, uh, what you've got. So, um, let's see question from AG survival. Um, have you ever heard any substantial reply to the example of God telling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac and then stopping him in regards to God changing not? I mean, my reply to that would be, no, of course God doesn't change. He, he never intended for Abraham to, to go through with it. He intended for Abraham to, he intended for Abraham to intend to go through with it, that, that Abraham would, would be perfectly obedient and, and display that perfect obedience. But, um, but yeah, I, I've not heard anybody who, because, you know, based on, you know, we, we looked last week at, at Zach Bauer's stuff and he, he says over and over again, you know, I change not, you know, and, and we looked at that text and that's not about commandments, but about promises. Um, I change not, therefore you are not consumed <laughs> because I'm always faithful. You know, you Israel are, are, uh, are not fully judged uh, for what you do. Um, that's the, uh, the, the, the context of that verse, but but no, God, God doesn't have to change for his commands to change. Um, there's, there's, again, we have many examples. The ones about diet we, we had here in Genesis. There's, there's another one later on, and, and I'm sure we'll go over it in this series in the book of Numbers, where um, God commands the people to go into the land. Then the spies come back and, and show faithlessness and disobey that command. So then God judges them and says, well, you're going to wander for 40 years. And then a group of men say, no, we're sorry. We're going to go in the land. But God causes them to be defeated because he changed what he wanted them to do. You know, he wanted them to go in the land. Then he said he didn't want them to go in the land because now they're being judged. And later they would still go into the land. But again, this was always... Uh, again, part of the plan, I believe, you know, God, God wasn't caught off guard by, by this, the, this sin, this rebellion, but, um, but it, again, on the level of the command, because this is, this is the, the point of contention is on the level of the command, can a command change? Well, of course it can. And we have numerous examples in scripture that this has happened. Um, this does not reflect a, a change in God. I mean, he, he's always, you know, been the same. And, and again, what I'm calling these universal laws is a, these things that have always been wrong to do. It, it's always been a sin to murder from the beginning based on how we're created in the image of God has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, thou shalt not murder was given to Moses on Mount Sinai that continued to establish and, and reaffirm that truth. But that one, that was always true and that always will be true and that will never change. Um, but not everything that God says thou shalt is of the same character as that. And, and we're going to see that as, as we continue to go on in Genesis. It's, it's just laying the groundwork. It's, it's not getting into a lot of detail about this yet. But it's it is there, um, and and we see the these different categories beginning to be discussed, and they will become even more apparent as we actually look at the law itself and and go through different commands in 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 the rest of the Torah. Okay, uh, another question. Um, uh, is from God first. Is there any difference between commands, decrees, and laws? Uh, Deuteronomy 6.1. Well, uh, let's look up Deuteronomy 6.1. So we, because I love context. <laughs> um, bear with me a moment here. 
So, um, Deuteronomy 6, 1, and I'll go ahead and put that on the screen here for you. It says, now this is the commandment, the rules and the regulations that Yahweh your God charged to teach you for you to observe in the land that you're about to cross over into to take possession of it. Um, so that you may revere Yahweh your God by keeping all his statutes and his commandments that I'm commanding you, you and your children and grandchildren all the days of your life, so that you may live long lives. Um, so, and you shall hear Israel and be careful to observe these instructions so that it may go well for you and you may multiply greatly just as Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, promised you in the land, uh, in a land with milk and honey. So I think that what we're seeing here is likely, you know, just I'm sure there's different shades of meaning for these terms, commandments, instructions, statutes, um, you know, that that there are, are I'm, I'm not a Hebrew expert or anything on the initial terms. Um, but it, it looks like what's being talked about here is, is, is that they seem to be more or less interchangeable. And I think that if you were to do word studies on these, um, you might find that, you know, that what's, you know, there, there might be different contexts in which a word is more often used than another context. Um, is what what you'll often see in those kinds of things, but I haven't done that kind of a study, so um, can't can't give you a real firm answer on that. I, I think that uh, um, again, what, whether it's a command, instruction, statute, if if God gave it to you to obey, then you need to obey it. That's is what it comes down to, um, whatever uh, whatever the terminology is. All right, uh, number three. Uh, from Francisco R.M. Is the law of God the one in our minds the same as the law of Christ? Um, that's a good question. I, I think the law, I mean, the law of Christ is, it seems that the, that phrase law of Christ, it's only, it only occurs a couple of times in the New Testament. Um, and one of the, one is a very important text in, in 1 Corinthians where, Paul talks about not being under the law, um, but still being under the law of Christ, the law of God, because he's under the law of Christ. And it seems like they're being somewhat equated there. Um, however, it's there. There's a couple different ways that people. I think that when when you have a, a phrase like the law of Christ that that isn't the text doesn't go into great detail in as in terms of what it is um at least with that phrase uh, now arguably and i think that this is uh um likely i i think this is probably very much the, the case this is what i believe anyway um but but i don't think it's not a point that i think is like a hill i would die on at this point anyway i think that when jesus says my commandments that that's what he's talking about as well, the the law of Christ and Jesus saying my commandments are referring to the same things. So I don't think, and for that reason, I don't think that this the sense of right and wrong that we have in our conscience, uh, and I assume that's what you mean by the one in our minds, um, is necessarily a one to one with that either. Um, I do believe there's such a thing, biblically speaking, as ceremonial law. Um, and it's different from moral law, and and there is a there is a difference. I think there are ceremonial laws we, as Christians today, believers in Christ, are are expected to obey. For example, baptism and the Lord's Supper. I think these are ceremonial laws given by Christ to the church. Um, I don't think that baptism and the Lord's Supper are things that every person has on their hearts, <laughs> you know, in their, our consciences don't tell us, you know, to get baptized or, or that we should observe the Lord's Supper. Those are, those commandments are much like a lot of the ceremonial commandments found in the law of Moses. It's just, they're given by Christ to the church and, and apply to, to believers today in much the same way that, that ceremonial law is applied in, in the law of Moses. Um, except that instead of, looking ahead symbolically they look backwards symbolically they look back to 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ uh, in, in different ways. So, um, so yeah, and, and I think they're part of the law of Christ, so to speak, that they're commands given by Christ. So I don't think it's a one-to-one, but I think that there's obviously a lot of overlap. The, the stuff that's universal, it was in the law of Moses and it's in the law of Christ too. It's because it's universal. It's, it's, it's based on really God's nature and, and who, and how he created us in his image. All right. Um, let's see the next question here. AG survival asks, do you think Moses not being allowed into the promised land because he struck the rock instead of speaking to it directly speaks to the dangers of Torah observance? I'm not quite sure what you mean uh, by that. Um, uh, it's, I, maybe I, I don't know if maybe you're referring to the fact that, you know, if Moses himself is sort of a symbol of the Torah, that, you know, he didn't go into the, the ultimate inheritance, so to speak, which was a symbol, I, again, of, of the ultimate inheritance of, of God's people, maybe the Torah observance. I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're getting at. I, I think that um, there's, there's a lot of good teaching on that. Um, that question about striking the rock. I think the one of the big things is that he he struck the rock, and then later on we learn that you know, and this is again symbolic, but then later on it's said in the New Testament that there was a rock that went a you know with the Israelites, and the rock was Christ, and and you know was that physical rock Christ? No, I mean that's a it's it's again it's all symbols and pictures, but but. You know, Moses is is basically, you know, doing something very disrespectful, so to speak, to God he, and, and not believing him. And and I think uh, there, there may be more to it symbolically, but I, I'm hesitant to really um, take it, take it much farther than that without deeper, deeper study. I think that the dangers of, of the Torah observance movement, you know, have to do with um not so much, you know, that it's, it's wrong to do things, you know, it's not wrong to eat kosher. It's not wrong to, you know, during the times of, of the feasts of Leviticus to, to have an observance, you know, even though your observance is not going to be what you see in the Torah, it can't be because you can't go to Jerusalem and sacrifice animals with the priests and all that. But you, if you do an observance and, and you seek to, to honor God in that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's no command in the New Testament, you know, you shall not, you know, continue to eat the way you ate, you know, when you you were under the law in, in Israel, that kind of thing. There, there's no command against doing it. It's just that now the the true fulfillment of the of it the true obedience of it comes through faith in christ as we talked about with the sabbath and we're going to see this with a lot of those other things as, as we begin to get into more specifics uh in later later episodes so um i appreciate it let me just uh jump into the chat here and just see make sure i didn't miss anybody um uh yeah so it looks like we pretty much uh i think we caught everybody if if we missed you feel free to reach out on on any you know in the comments later or on other platforms or something if you have any a serious question you do want to ask um i'm excited for what we have um going forward in this series really um it's going to be going to be really cool the the stuff uh going forward um we're really going to begin i don't know how many episodes it's going to take to to flesh this out in in a sufficient way but we're going to start talking about the different types of laws in the torah and how we can see from the torah that you know what types of laws we're looking at and and we're going to see that you know there is such thing as as what we call moral law and ceremonial law and civil law and these things um they're, they're pretty they're pretty apparent when you when you actually look um, at the the details and the context and and when you start to see that you realize oh this is this is where they're you know where they're coming up with this stuff it's not it's not just out of nowhere it's not just because people don't want to do 
you know, they, they just want to disobey. No, they, they've, they've actually read the, the law. And so they understand what, what's in there. So we're going to go over that. Like I said, it's going to be fun getting into the specifics on this series. So uh, definitely, if you have not already, you should subscribe so you don't miss uh, future ones. Um, I've got a actually a whole series of blog articles kind of along these same lines that I've already written, uh, wrote it a while ago on on the website at beginningwisdom.org. So you should, if you if you just can't wait till next week uh, to get it, you know, video form, you'll you'll get a lot of the substance of what I'll be going over um, if you just want to go read. So anyway, uh, it's been awesome. Uh, thanks so much for coming, you guys. I appreciate you and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast. You can follow Andrew Schumacher and the ministry at beginningwisdom.org, where you can find links to the YouTube channel and follow on social media. Sign up for email alerts to never miss new content. Please like, share, and rate the episode if it has blessed you. God bless and always be ready.